This podcast is offered to you by Zen Center North Shore on the web at www.zencenternorthshore.org. This program is made possible by donations from listeners like you. <laughs> it initiated a, an avalanche of collar checks. <laughs> appropriate response. We're all in it together. Ah, good morning. Chikan, I appreciate so much how you say, please come closer. It's our practice to come closer. Um, I wanted to talk this morning just a few words about um, a teaching called the uh, Bodhisattva's four methods of guidance, the Bodhisattva Shishoho. For those of you who like Japanese, Bodhisattva Shishoho. Bodhisattva's four methods of guidance. Um, and before kind of launching into that, I, I just want to say I always, I always hope that in these Dharma talks, I do hope that for each one of you, there's something in here, you know, in this, this, uh, I don't know, in the next few minutes, I do hope that there's something for each one of you and anything that I say that's encouraging, helpful, um, comforting, um, because what I'm feeling is you know, looking at our work in progress here about the physical, the dharmic, the emotional creation, ongoing creation of this practice place and how people come in in different places and with different questions and different ideas. And I do ardently believe that this practice is helpful for everyone. And how you engage with it is what's going to be different. You know, whether you start coming every day, whether you sit every day, whether here or at home, or whether there's just something in the teachings that you take with you and deploy in your life. Um, and so the inspiration for the, this talking about the, um, this teaching of Dogen Zenji the um, Bodhisattva's four methods of guidance is Norman brings it up in his book um, The World Could Be Otherwise which we're using as a, a basis for studying the six practices of a Bodhisattva this summer um, and so I think that's interesting that came up in my mind as I was reading what Norman has to say about this teaching of Dogen Zenji. And then also just the activity of a bodhisattva. You know, the four methods of guidance are, according to Dogen, uh, for, for an awakening being, the four methods, the four things that guide an awakening being are generosity, which, you know, 
We've been studying for the last few weeks in this class series, Dana Paramita Generosity. Um, kind speech, which I'll say more about in a little bit. And keep that in mind as citizens of a democracy. Kind speech may be kind of juxtaposed with and contrast with um, aligned with free speech. <laughs> Consider kind speech as citizens of a democracy. You know, it's kind of along those lines of voting is a privilege. Um, that's the second one, kind speech. The third one is beneficial action, which, um, you know, I think all the faith traditions talk about doing good works. Beneficial action, doing things to in, for the benefit of beings. And the fourth one is maybe what differentiates this, uh, Buddhism. Maybe from other faith traditions, I'm not sure. Um, but I am interested in bringing forth this teaching of the four methods of, of guidance for a bodhisattva because it's a specifically Zen teaching on how to be nice, how to be good, how to be a force for good, how to be kind, how to practice kindness in the world. So this fourth one makes my therapist very nervous. It's called... Um, identity action. It's where the boundaries of self and other are not so clear. <laughs> she gets very nervous about this. My therapist. So I'll say more about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, and so the third thing that makes me uh, want to talk about this is especially sitting in the sendo, it feels different. It's a little bit brighter. We see the practitioners across the way at the gym silently doing their practice this morning. <laughs> it's kind of wonderful, the vitality they're bringing to the neighborhood. And we're also taking up the practice of when the music gets loud, how do we engage with that? How do we support our new neighbor neighbors and also engage in maybe kind speech by, you know, there are other people doing things in the neighborhood too. But so it's interesting with this window exposed, seeing the people silently running by. I'm excited about how we might, into our hopefully long future together, interact, you know, for the benefit of beings without falling into our ghettos, our Zen ghetto and our fitness ghetto, you know, how we can interact. Um, so with this window exposed, we have two bodhisattvas here this morning, Pete and Tom, who are engaging in the ongoing intimacy of dealing with <laughs> or, you know, just having a relationship with our beautiful shoji screens. You know, it's a beautiful thing to have an aesthetic in a, a Zen practice place, and we're not a museum. It's not look but don't touch. So unfortunately, with rice paper, when you touch it, <laughs> things happen. So, you know, there have been the tears that maybe maybe you've seen. And so Tom and Pete started working yesterday on changing out 
the rice paper, the regular rice paper for laminated rice paper. Who knew that such a thing existed? And so now it's the relationship begins with the rice paper and how the laminated rice paper, how it interacts with the glue or the tape and, you know, these custom-made beautiful wooden frames that Pete and Steve August and Jikan were involved with making and maybe others too. So I'm appreciating the Bodhisattva activity of, for a good part of yesterday, you guys were here with the sawhorse, right? Is that what you call it? Anyway, tools and wood chips all over the place and the practice extending out into the parking lot. You know, all this activity that we don't necessarily see. Pretty much everything here is donated. Things and things were donated, money is donated, time and energy is donated, and we call this practice. There was a beautiful moment, some of you were there to witness it, with a newish person who um, is learning about Zen. She's Roman Catholic and she's on our board. I'm very proud of that. Um, and so she's opening to the practice, the practice of Buddhism. And I feel it in the summer that we're practicing religion here. I'm going to say that. Uh, we're practicing religion here. We're engaging with um, connection. Connection with the divine. And we understand that to mean with each other. The divinity of interconnectedness with all life. I know these Dharma talks are far-ranging. I'm, <laughs> it's not really a digression. Um, but as I'm, thi- as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about being at the powwow yesterday. Um, you know, in the glory of, of experiencing with the body how the teachings among the Native Americans were interacting with, anyway, the Nipmuc. Um, overlap or um, align with the the teachings of the Buddha, the Buddha, <laughs> you know, which are natural teachings, the teaching of natural ways, natural ways of aliveness that aren't um, just about human aliveness. They're about according with everything. You know, which is why I think we use the cosmic mudra, the cosmos. We're being the cosmos when we come into zazen. And we offer this gesture to remind ourselves of not being separate from the cosmos. Um, So this bodhisattva activity, you know, as a natural way of enacting the truth of, yeah, these two guys were here for a good part of the day, Tom-san and Pete-san, working on behalf of the sangha, on behalf of the gym across the street, on behalf of all beings, taking care, creating something together, giving over their time, You know, um, and 
know, Tom, I appreciated your email of how you were viewing that practice as an offering, you know, right in the midst of our study of Dana Paramita, of giving, of seeing what we say is the emptiness of giving or the interconnectedness of giving, how there isn't anyone giving to anyone. There is one giving to the ones, but it's not a fixed one giving to fixed ones. It's not so it's not so set, you know, who's giving to whom. It's more like um, giving is happening. This, you know, in the most important word, the most important part for me of the word giving is ing. <laughs> this inging is inging. This activity, <laughs> this process of giving, which is continuous, is enjoyed by the one who's giving and the ones who are receiving the giving. And in English, for me, this is the closest that we can get to the emptiness of giving, is the ing, the activity, not so much the doer. So this is the spirit of um, everything that we just chanted. The, the heart of great perfect wisdom sutra, the hymn to the perfection of wisdom, which is the same thing, the expressions of the same thing, prajna, this wisdom, um, wisdom, prajna, wisdom. The other day when the multi-faith coalition here was, uh, was here, I asked them as the host, I asked them to share a teaching on love from their tradition as a way to continue to deepen our friendship and our respect for each other and, and to, to learn about each other. We've been meeting for years now. and you know, Do we ever get a chance to, to drop deeper into our actual... We're all priests, ministers, um, faith leaders in our traditions. And I found myself talking about prajna as an expression of love. And I said, sometimes I whip this out just because I think it's hilarious, but not everybody, I don't know. Anyway, for me, this wisdom of prajna, it's like you could spell it W-I-Z-D-U-M-B. And the only person who laughed in the multi-faith coalition, and I just fell in love with him in the moment, was Manny, (laughs) the rector over at St. Peter's, (laughs) the Episcopalian, who's kind of on his way toward retirement. That's part of it. <laughs> you never really see Manny with his fist raised, you know, at protests. And he's the one whose church sponsors the Easter dinner every year. And our sangha goes to help out with that. And I feel his, this is maybe a little bit personal to say, but I, I do want to say it anyway. I feel his dishevelment is the word that comes to mind. His particular expression of love for the world you know he's one of these priests who wears the little white thing and he's you know when, he, when he's at the pulpit in his church he's very put together and I saw him I've seen him a couple times walking around town looking destroyed I know he feels the pain of the world
So I want to make sure I share that Lita and I were walking into the powwow yesterday, and the very first person we saw was Blanca. I point to Kate because Kate co-facilitates the social justice here on Monday nights, and we were engaging with Blanca. We were trying to figure out what signs to make as we were going to go to a, a vigil for Blanca when she was heading for her ICE um, her immigration appointment in Burlington. We were very concerned that she was going to be deported. And so we were thinking, what signs could we make? One of them was, Blanca is us, we are Blanca. Blanca is we, I guess is more grammatically correct, but it's got more punch to say. Blanca is us. Um, and it was beautiful to that she was the first person to meet because um, I don't know exactly how it's coming to be that we're moving closer to um, it just feels so crass to say Native Americans, Native people um, the ones who were here before us Um, and it's exciting to feel that there's a coalition happening, you know, of different races And many of the people I'm personally accompanying in ICE detention are not just Guatemalan, for instance, but Quiche Guatemalan. They're indigenous people of Guatemala um, who are being harassed and whose lives are being actively threatened. And so there feels to be a movement around the world of indigenous people, the keepers of traditional ways. and who value ancestral lineage, who are keeping something precious alive. And I want you to know, I feel that Zen practitioners are doing that too. It's a little bit more, um, you know, in that conversion way. (laughs) Um, And still, it's authentic. What we're doing this morning is crazy. I'm looking around at you. You know, with a fuller Zendo, it's, it's beautiful to see everyone like this on a Sunday morning, bowing. That's crazy for Americans to be doing that. It's crazy, right? (laughs) I know, it's kind of weird. And it's one of the words that I heard so much yesterday that this Native American elder was using is humility. Humility. Touching our head to the earth. I feel this connects us to Native American ways. Touching the earth. The Buddha, Shakyamuni, did that as the ultimate challenge. He touched the earth. He connected with the earth. So, it may be that going forward into the decades, this practice place, you know, will will explore more deeply this connection, maintaining our own practice within the Zen tradition, staying close with Dogen Zenji and Suzuki Roshi, you know, and having these forms training, we're going to be doing this after tea this morning, as a means of bodily staying close to this ancestral lineage, because I feel it's one way to stay close to humanity, the Blancas of the world, (laughs) and us, and also the crow, you know, the raccoon, the uh, Merrimack River, the Nipmuc, um, all of life, which feels increasingly precious. 
as we go deeper into um, climate crisis and in, in the great migrant crisis of our time that um, those who are seeking asylum and on the move trying to find it. Okay, so I lost my watch, by the way. Has anybody found my watch in the Zendo, a blue Timex? It's just disappeared from, thank you, from my robe sleeve. Maybe it's under some cushion somewhere, I don't know. Did it have one yes. thing missing? Yes. Oh no, I found it outside. You did? Yeah, and I threw it out. What? And Where I did thought you... it was some abandoned watch. Oh. <laughs> wow. Because it only had one yeah. of those. I know, it was perfect. I'm keeping it around. Wow. Well, okay, so which trash did you throw it out? Um, my apartment. Huh? Is it still there, do you think? I don't know, I can check. <laughs> do you want it? <laughs> Thanks, JJ. I mean, it didn't look like new or anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. This is perfect. What did Gary say about the love calligraphy? This is so perfect. What did Gary say about the love calligraphy? So, this calligraphy, this is such a tangent, but it's what's happening right now, people. <laughs> um, so, our altar, which is in like floating freely in the midst of vastness we aesthetically what we've been wanting is usually there's a tanka or something behind the altar to sort of anchor it but you know we got so much going on you know we've got like visuals to attend we've got daily signs so it's like oh so years later okay we're thinking okay we've got this beautiful love kanji it's gorgeous by Michiko who did the enso there it's gorgeous and it's been traveling around with us since 2012 all of our practice places so it's gotten pretty mangled and I like to keep the windows open in my house and so it's been at my house because we don't really have a place to put it and so the breeze comes in and it gets ruffled and so it's got gotten torn around the edges it's huge and so finally I brought it in because we have an art teacher here we have artists it's like okay between us I know we can figure out how to frame this and put it up because it costs like $300 to do it down the street. So finally I unrolled it the other day feeling embarrassment because you know I feel like I've been a little bit reckless in taking care of this beautiful piece of art. So I bring it in and it's like mangled on the edges and um, sort of you know saying you know well, we need to trim it and stuff. And Gary, big Gary, and he emailed you guys so it's not confidential I could say this. He said what did he say? It's something like, um, no, you know, so that, uh, you know, if people were to, let's leave the mangled edges and the, the, the pricks of the, um, the um, what are those called? Those push. Yeah, the push pins. Let's leave them so people can see them because people, because it's like people might see that and say, oh, you can be, broken and tattered and torn around the edges and you're still welcome here because that's how I feel that's what he said so that was beautiful so that's what comes up for me about this watch is uh, so please if you don't mind do a little dumpster diving okay don't go too deep I mean maybe I mean it must have been yours right because I didn't yeah it's mine I didn't even a think blue that was working oh yeah um, yeah, no, blue time mixed with the half of the strap. Yeah, that's mine. Right outside the Zendo, yeah. Really? <laughs> you can't make 
<laughs> Pretty sure it's mine. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, so. Huh? Closure. Closure, yes. I am going to read to you from Dogen so you can hear words from Ancestor Dogen. Traditional teachings on um, from the Zen tradition on kindness. So the Bodhisattva's four methods of guidance are giving, kind speech, beneficial action, identity action. Um... I'm just going to give you highlights. Buddha said, if you are to practice giving to yourself, how much more so to your parents, wife, and children? Dogen said that. Monk Dogen. Therefore, you should know that to give to yourself is a part of giving. To give to your family is also giving. Even when you give a particle of dust, you should rejoice in your own act because you correctly transmit the merit of all Buddhas and for the first time practice an act of a Bodhisattva. The mind of a sentient being is difficult to change. You should keep on changing the minds of sentient beings. That's the only thing I want to say to you about giving. That's what makes me cry. That's our way. This is our practice. This is Dogen's strictness and this is our strictness. The mind of a sentient being is difficult to, to change. You should keep on changing the minds of sentient beings. Don't give up just because it's difficult. Because it's difficult is why we're here. So that's generosity. Okay? And along those lines... The mind of a sentient being is difficult to change. You should keep on changing the minds of sentient beings. Kind speech. This is what he has to say about kind speech. You should know that kind speech arises from kind mind and kind mind from the seed of compassionate mind. You should ponder the fact that kind speech is not just praising the merit of others. It has the power to turn the destiny of the nation. speech, which we might understand kind speech is we are Blanca. Blanca is us. All these are connected, these four. They're all the same. They're just different aspects. Beneficial action is, you know, kind of, you know, skillfully to benefit all classes of sentient beings. That is to care about their distant and near future to help them by using skillful means. Okay? I'm going to continue from there. Identity action. This is like prajna. The wisdom of not seeing Blanca is separate from me. Even though she's... Uh, is she Guatemalan or Honduran? She's Honduran. She's indigenous. She's um, got polio. She's tried to find safe space. How many of us are trying to find space safe? Safe space. I lately I've been getting into bed and I lay there and I just I say out loud I feel safe and I feel like I want to cry. We're all seeking asylum. <laughs> We're all seeking safety. 
Um, okay, I'm going to read a lot of this. Identity action means non-difference. It is non-difference from self, non-difference from others. For example, in the human world, the Tathagata took the form of a human being. From this we know that he did the same in other realms. When we know identity action, others and self are one. Lute, song, and wine are one with human being, deva, and spirit being. Human being is one with lute, song, and wine. Lute, song, and wine are one with lute, song, and wine. Human being is one with human being. Deva is one with deva. Spirit being is one with spirit being. To understand this is to understand identity action. Action means right form, dignity, correct manner. This means that you cause yourself to be in identity with others after causing others to be in identity with you. However, the relationship of self and others varies limitlessly with circumstances, and that's skillful means. The Guanzi says, the ocean does not exclude water, that is why it is large. Mountain does not exclude earth, that is why it is high. A wise lord does not exclude people, that is why he has many subjects. That the ocean does not exclude water is identity action. Water does not exclude the ocean either. This being so, water comes together to form the ocean, earth piles up to form mountains. My understanding is that because the ocean itself does not exclude the ocean, it is the ocean and it is large. Because mountains do not exclude mountains, they are mountains and they are high. Because a wise lord does not worry of people, his subjects assemble. Subjects means nation. Wise lord means ruler of the nation. A ruler is not supposed to worry of people. Not to weary of people does not mean to give no reward or punishment. Although a ruler gives reward and punishment, he does not weary of people. In ancient times when people were uncomplicated, there was neither legal reward nor punishment in the country. The concept of reward and punishment was different. Even at present, there should be some people who seek the way without expecting a reward. That is beyond the understanding of ignorant people. Because a wise Lord understand this, understands this, he does not worry of people. People form a nation and seek a wise Lord, but as they do not know completely the reason why a wise Lord is wise, they only hope to be supported by the wise Lord. They do not notice that they are the ones who support the wise Lord. In this way, the principle of identity action is applied to both a wise Lord and all the people. This being so, identity action is a vow of bodhisattvas. With a gentle expression, practice identity action for all people. With a gentle expression, practice identity action for all people. You know, so right now, welcome the gym. <laughs> Here they are. This dude is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, it's super cool. We're creating each other. 
intimate. And we engage, you know, with a gentle expression, we engage. We say, I'm here, and you're here too. How do we go forward? It's even beyond coexist. Coexist is cool. It used to be tolerance. That's what the bumper, bumper sticker said. And then it was coexist, which was very helpful. Which was very helpful at an action we did at someone's house who was about to be foreclosed on. A few of us showed up and just stood there. We didn't really know what to do. We're not housing experts, but we just showed up. We stood there. And then I just went over to the the guy who had just driven up, and he was apparently the, the auctioneer. And he just, he got out of his car, and I just, I went over to just say hello, and I looked down, and he had a coexist bumper sticker on his car. And I said, that's a really cool bumper sticker. That's all that happened. And the next thing I knew, we were in a circle. He said across to the circle to the banker, the auction's called off. Or maybe he was the banker. I don't know who was who. And people just dispersed. It was weird. We don't really know exactly what happened. But we have another opportunity. We got a phone call yesterday from someone else who heard about that and wants us to show up at her house. She's in Lowell. See what we can do. Coexist is... So coexist can be good, but I think the next, the next level, which I feel, is something about symbiosis. It's not just coexist. It's not just can we, can we all get along. It's that how can we help each other? How do we help each other? I will tell you, I think they're very helpful. You know, because the, the challenge for Zen people is we can get really lazy. <laughs> it's good to move. It's good to keep our bodies strong. You know? And I think that there are ways that we might be able to be helpful for a person who, um, you know, is frantically trying to be better, to lose weight or to be stronger. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's worth considering. I think about, when I think about symbiosis, I think about the hippos. I saw a hippo on Lake Naivasha. The hippos, you know, they're the most aggressive animals in Kenya. Even more than, like, lions. And hippos are vegetarian. <laughs> Figure that out. It's interesting. And they'll charge. I kind of relate. <laughs> They've got these big jaws with those, those jaws. With the, what are those called? The hinges? What are those Socket, hip sockets, hinge sockets, or whatever that are so flexible, they open so wide that they can chomp you in half. TMJ. <laughs> yeah. But these these hippos in water, in the midst of their aggression, they've found that which I see as just territorialism. They're just defensive. They're super sensitive. Actually, they're just super sensitive. They don't want you coming too close. But they will let. Um, the fish in what they do in the water is they, they open their mouths and they let the fish the little fish come in and the fish are their toothbrushes they 
between their teeth that way. And the rhino, apparent, or the hippo, um, gets like into a, a trance state. It's so, it's what a lovely symbiosis. So I have high hopes for our new neighbors and us. You know, that something beautiful can come out of it. It will come out of it. It is coming out of it. All right. Thank you so much for listening, for being here, for engaging. And, um, you know, I, I feel like in the last 10 or 20 or 30 years, the Zen people, we've, um, I don't think we're, I think we have a lot of work to do to gain confidence in the teachings of Dogen that they're not cold intellectual teachings. They're actually very, they are warm, compassionate teachings, but what they're not and what they're not is sentimental. And that's where identity action and the teaching of prajna, that's where that comes in with our social justice work. And that's why I say sit. Let's keep sitting, especially as we move more deeply into social justice work discernibly social justice work because as you know I feel it's so clear to me that this is social justice work but not everybody gets to see and we don't always get to see please see